my buddy Gerald told me this part of the intro should be something random instead of also being about the guests. So that's what I'm going to do. Live from Australia, this is Stranger Than Christian. Good afternoon, evening, whatever time of day it is in the world, wherever you are. My name is Christian Carrion. This is another episode of Stranger Than Christian, brought to you from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where it is currently 91 degrees. I need a way to ventilate this studio. It is sweltering. Maybe one day we'll get there. I don't know. Maybe I'll make a Patreon or something. Who knows? I got an interview from the Lancaster... It's called Lancaster Online, like the local newspaper in Lancaster, PA. They're doing a full-page story about the podcast, and I have a photo shoot on Monday. So if you're in the Lancaster area, be on the lookout for that. It was uh, a lot of fun to talk about my creative process, how the podcast got started, what I've accomplished since then, and... uh, sort of the success of the podcast in the context of the quarantine and lockdown and everything going on in the world right now. So uh, that should be something fun to read, and I hope it is. It's been one hell of a week. I do research for a, well, I'm the news editor, but I'm also the historian. So I do a lot of research for a website called Buzzerblog, buzzerblog.com, which is a news site relating to game shows and unscripted entertainment. Anyone who's listened to the podcast or knows me knows how much I love game shows. And we got to discussing the old show, Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego from the early 90s, which is one of the game shows that I grew up with. It taught me a lot about geography, um, and it just taught me a lot about game shows in general. That was just one of those shows that was very present in my life. And in my research, I came across the supposed fact that there was an episode in the second season that never aired because a kid fell and broke her arm during the bonus round, like it happened on camera. And there are a few references throughout the internet, and uh, I decided to look into it. So three days later, thank you to everyone at WGBH in Boston, Massachusetts, everyone at WQED in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Howard Blumenthal, the creator and producer of Where in the World is Carmen San Diego, Mark Summers, the occasional substitute host who cleared up some rumors for me, and uh, everyone who sent in their insight and their tips and their information. I am looking forward to writing a full, huge, big, long report of my findings at buzzerblog.com hopefully we'll have that up by next week um you know to think i was afraid of being unproductive during this quarantine that was one of my biggest fears i said i'm going to be home i don't know spanish i haven't written anything i haven't recorded anything what am i going to do i'm going to feel like a piece of crap if i come out of this on the other side not having created or done anything i can't believe i was worried about that i i I did more than i ever thought i was going to do and i've done enough to the point where i feel like i don't want to talk about it you know where we have the conversation at work and everyone kind of talks about that you know they watch netflix and they you know i didn't do anything in quarantine i i don't want to be that guy who like overachieved i don't know i'm overthinking it that's the thing. When I overthink, I feel like I'm ruining it. Like I should just be quiet. So I think that's what I'm going to do. This week, I talked to Jeremy, 
Jeremy is a theatric percussionist from Australia. She's from Australia, but she's been stuck in Singapore for the last five months because of the coronavirus epidemic. And she has been living with her parents in Singapore, not performing, but still studying. And she had a lot to tell me about the power of theatric percussion. And I'm excited to share that with you, plus everything else we talked about. It was a really fun conversation, and I'll bring that to you in just a minute. But first, here is a word from another fantastic program on the Apocalypse Podcast Network. Stay right there. Because this virus attacks the lungs. It's never more infuriating when you realize that your life has a price tag on it. The truth of the matter is we are in the middle of an apocalypse. There's no leadership. I went from being an ER nurse to you're a healthcare hero. I feel like a sham. Apocalypse Now is a podcast that asks if we are living at the beginning of the end. I'm Joanna Van Thine. Join me every week as I talk with interesting people and decide if we're all doomed. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. Hey, Jeremy. How are you? Hey, good. It's Christian. How are you today? Yeah, good. <laughs> Your microphone sounds incredible. You have, not everybody has as good a sound setup as you have. I'm very grateful for this right now. Oh, thank you. I just, I record audiobooks sometimes. So I have that microphone with me. You don't do that professionally, do you? No, I just do it for fun. Um, just record audiobooks for my friends because apparently they like my voice. That is beautiful. You know what? I remember this was like, I, I, like they might still sell it, but there used to be like, you could go to like a greeting card store and get a storybook and each page had a little like recording device in it. So if you were like a grandmother and you wanted to read your grandson a story, you turn each page, hit the record button on each page and you read the page and then you give that book as a gift and all of a sudden it's your grandmother reading you the story like contained within a book. And I feel like that's so it, it's super like capitalist, commercialist, whatever, but it's still I feel like such an intimate gift to like give somebody your voice. That's so cool. And you do have a great voice. I should comment. I should compliment you on that as well. You sound great. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, that sounds like a. I've never seen that before. That you record the thing with a little storybook that they sell somewhere. That's that's pretty nice. It's cool, isn't it? Do 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 um. Does the Hallmark Company exist in Australia? Like the greeting card company? Yeah. Okay. I've just never seen it. I'm pretty sure they make it. I don't even know if they make it anymore. Maybe they don't. But I just remember when that was a thing. And it was like, I don't know, just by something about it just struck me as super personal and super intimate and just really, really cool. Yeah. Well, when was this? That must have been... It was a few years ago. It was like right before, like leading up to Christmas season. Oh. Wow, well, we... Yeah, yeah, that sounds it, like a grad. Yeah, I've just never seen it. and mm. It's kind of genius if you think about it, really. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's such a, I don't know, especially the idea of grandmas doing it right. in a way. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I kind of just put them on like a Google Drive and then people like share them around. And it's usually people who are really into uh, literature because now I'm stuck in Singapore, I... Record local stories. 
That's so cool. That's such an intimate gift to give somebody, I feel like. You know what I mean? Like that's I um I don't know. I don't even know what to compare that to. That's just so cool. <laughs> Thanks. I, I want to hear... sell it on Fiverr. I'm sorry? Yeah, you should. That's a great idea, actually. <laughs> that's an incredible idea. <gasps> oh, if only I'm daring enough to do that. No. <laughs> well maybe you can get some money and get yourself out of Singapore. What is that like being stuck there? Oh, um, it's been a little bit weird. I mean, like, I guess other people have it worse, you know, so I can't really complain too much about it. Um, I know that there are lots of Aussies stuck in India and they have no way of getting back. Some people are stuck on honeymoon, so they're just having honeymoon for the past three months. <laughs> incredible it's such a bonding experience i bet i mean apart from all the all the bad things that could happen i mean there's i feel like there's no better way to get to know somebody yeah that's true i guess you know over here at least you can go outside uh, you can go hang out with friends eat food continue studies <laughs> so, so i want to hear about I don't want to say like the moment you realized you were stuck in Singapore, but how did that come about? Like, when did you realize like you were going to be uh, calling Singapore home for a while? Well, okay. So um, I think it was when the flights were going to stop. So I didn't think this was going to last this long as in this whole thing. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> and, um, Basically, at like 4 a.m., my dad called me and was like, the flights to Singapore are going to close, so my parents live here. And they're like, oh, the flights are going are gonna to shut, so you have to come back. <laughs> um, and I, I don't know, it was like a 4 a.m. days, and I was like, I think about it, I'll get back to you. Um, uh, and then I got another call at 6, and I was still, you know, I went back to sleep and got a call at 6 saying, we've booked the flight. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I guess I'm going. And I feel I feel bad if I miss the flight, you know, because they already booked it. Um, so I ended up just leaving later that day, uh, thinking I was going to be there for like two weeks, maybe a month tops. <laughs> and I've been here for about, almost five months now <laughs> oh my lord and and where and where are you living like are you living in like is it a is it a hostel kind of thing like a youth hostel are you in a hotel like how does that work oh i i don't have it um any bad actually i'm living with my parents oh you're with your parents okay house. got you right, yeah, right, yeah. right okay yeah so it's it's not it's not bad <laughs> i'm terrible right. at geography how far is singapore from australia uh, not too far. Maybe like a five-hour flight. Oh, okay. That's not bad. That's probably like a couple yeah. thousand. Yeah, okay. Wow. Yeah. It's about three thousand. I don't know how many. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> and how have you been keeping yourself entertained at home? Are you are you stuck as in you're in quarantine? You can't leave the house or are you going out? Are you socializing? And... Ah, okay. So I am a music student. And a lot of, like, everything I do, obviously, is very practical. Um, and seeing that I actually, my degree is from Australia, it was very hard to try and continue it here. So my university and I have sort of set up, like, an exchange program, sort of, with a local school over here. Uh, 
So I go there for practice every day. And then I managed to get a job at a restaurant, a cafe. Uh, so that's what I've been doing, really. Just working and, 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 and practicing your art. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Who in your life inspired you to pursue a career in music or pursue music as, as, as something, as a creative endeavor? Oh, my goodness. Oh, tough question, I must say. I think... I don't know, several people. I I mean, I've played the piano since I was little, <clears throat> but I don't play piano now. But that's where my music education started. Like one of those classes where there's like eight kids, eight little kids with keyboards in front of one teacher and their parents sitting next to them. Uh, and you play like three notes on a keyboard. But I'd say what really kick-started this whole career thing was probably um, watching drum covers online. <laughs> really? When I was like 10, I think. Yeah. So that's how I got into because I do percussion. Uh, but I first did drums. And I think, yeah, I, I just like started watching covers and I was like, you know what, I'm going to join the school band. <laughs> That's so great. That's how that came about. So just something about that type of performance spoke to you, and, and that's just like what you wanted to do. Yeah. Very um, cool. But that obviously that um, started molding itself, and I developed my own sort of style, which very like was is very different from what I used to watch now. Right. Yeah. I, I talk about it once in a while with my friends who like music as much because I, I, I love music, but music has become one of these things that's really difficult to talk about because if you it's hard to convey what you like in music to other people without it sort of being an argument. Um, and so I feel like music has become a very personal thing where you listen to what you like and it's it's sort of hard to get people interested in the music that you like. You know, people have to sort of do that on their own. Anyway. Uh, I talk about it with my friends who like music and I find it really interesting that we're at this time where people who grow up listening to music grow up listening to so much music. Like, you know, if, if you grew up like in the eighties or even like early nineties, you grew up listening to what you could afford to buy and what was played on the radio. But now, you know, there's now you're exposed to all kinds of music it's it's incredible i feel like i i used to like when i was in college i would stay up until like seven eight o'clock in the morning on on days when i didn't have class and uh i would just bathe myself in music like all night i would just explore and just fall down these rabbit holes on youtube and hear things i i, I never thought i would hear otherwise um so it's really cool i feel like we're building this sort of superhuman league of music lovers and musicians who grew up with so many different influences and i'm it'd be interesting to to hear what happens in the future you know what i mean yeah right i feel like back just going back to what you said about talking with friends about uh, music and being really hard for it turning into an argument. Uh, I feel like, I don't know, I think most musicians are pretty open to what people have to say. So never feel like you can't talk about your personal preferences, I feel. <laughs> I'm a Kanye West fan, though. Does that does that make a difference? 
No. Really? Okay, good. Not at all. Good. Well, Gary listen. This is great. I, oh god, he's so oh, don't listen. If I if we if we get into this part of the conversation, this will be an hour-long Kanye West podcast. Like I could talk about him forever. <laughs> so I I'm going to I yes, I agree with you. He is great. Um but yeah, that's like that's that that interest to me is like that's what I mean by like it'll always become an argument. You know, it, which is so unfair because a person like him is 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 really his his public persona, his public image is guided by the media and what he does in the news, and it, it completely negates what he does as an artist. But anyway, <laughs> I'm gonna pause this for one second. Are you nervous? Um, why do you why do you ask? You sound nervous, and it's really okay if you're nervous. I mean, this is this is I I I don't imagine you've participated in something like this regularly, but you sound nervous. Uh, maybe a little, or maybe that's just how I sound. But I don't know. I also just woke up. <laughs> Did you really? What time is it over there right now? It is eight fifteen. Oh Jesus! Did I make you wake up early? Oh no, it's it's totally fine. Okay. I, I want to do this. And also, I don't know, it's very interesting. Um, ooh, but I feel like, uh, I don't know, what was I going to say? Something about being nervous. Oh, yeah, I don't talk to people with Americanish accents very often as well. <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> so talk to like many people with Australian to, accents either. Yeah, it's okay. I, I feel like I'm talking to the TV. Do you really? Is like, that so interesting? Kind of like unreal, I guess. <laughs> right. What are what are some words that you've heard that sound funny? Maybe not words that I've said, but like, what are some American words that like sound funny to you? Uh, um. Wait, I'm trying to think. I think water is one. Water. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's the one. Water. That's, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I just say it the way I say it. Um, there are areas of, like, I live in uh, Pennsylvania, which is about an hour. I live, my town is about an hour away from Philadelphia. And in that area, they pronounce it like water. They have like, a, there's like an extra O in there. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah, they say like a glass of water. That's so weird. It is, isn't it? <laughs> It's always like the simple things you don't even realize until people point it out. Right. Well, you know, even simple things like a time difference, like the fact that it's now it is 8.15 p.m. here and you're just waking up. Like I had a full day of work. Like I came home. I had dinner. I did like the whole thing. This is like the end of my day now. But your day is just beginning. Yeah. Even little things like that. It's like hard to (laughs) comprehend sometimes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a yeah. It's a bit odd. I feel like traveling is a bit difficult because when you travel from uh, from uh, that northern hemisphere to the southern hemisphere, uh, you lose a lot of time. <laughs> you do. You get that jet lag. I guess I've never I never had a flight that long. The longest the longest flight I've ever had was about six hours, and that was from New York to Los Angeles, and then and then back. But I think it was shorter coming back. Um, so I never experienced that. Um, completely, but yeah, jet lag, I guess, is like a, it's a real thing. Yeah. Well, not even like if, if you take a 12 hour flight from like, uh, I don't know, I don't know how long 12 hour flights are from between places, but let's say you take a 12 hour flight from, uh, Asia somewhere 
to Canada or something, that's you pretty much lose no time. You fly off on the Wednesday at 8 a.m. You land on the Wednesday at 8 a.m. Right. Oh, God, that has so to be you so don't lose any. Yeah, but then if you fly back, you lose almost 24 hours. That's, so, I, I wouldn't even know how to process that. Yeah, it's, it's always a little bit. That's why you don't do it too often, I guess. Right, right, right. That's fascinating. Do you have do you have pets? Oh, I have a cat in in uh in Australia, but I don't have one in Singapore. Oh my god, how much do you miss your cat right now? Oh man. I miss her so much. She's currently staying with some friends. Um and they send me photos of her every day on like a Snapchat group. We call Sesame every day because her name is Sesame. Oh, Sesame. <laughs> How, yeah. old is, how old is Sesame? Um, Sesame is 10. Ooh, she that's is a, a... She's an old girl. Yeah, she's old, pretty pretty chubby. Yeah. Very fluffy, very fluffy cat. Uh, yeah, very timid cat. Very loving as well. We have I really a, miss her. Yeah, I bet. We have a... um. Actually, we have a pretty chubby uh, 10-year-old tabby cat. And he, we used to call him uh, Fat Polly. That was his name. But he weighed about 25 pounds, and he lost about half of that. So we just call him Paul now. But that's that's our that's our little fat boy at home. Oh, <laughs> I feel like fat cats are the best. They're not very healthy, but... No, but they're cute. That's, 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 I don't know. <laughs> I, I would probably get a lot of hate online for, for saying that, but fat cats are adorable. I mean, you can't deny it. It's unhealthy, but it's, but it's cute. But you don't right. want, you don't want it to get there. But yeah, I mean, if they already are. <laughs> right. It, it's not, it's not a goal to attain. I, I, I would never purposely fatten up my cat. I, I think our cat was just, honestly, you know how we got our cat. My wife adopted him before, even before she met me. And she was at the shelter looking for a cat. And they had just brought this cat in who had to be rehomed because the, whoever, Whoever adopted the cat had a baby, and the cat was very loving and would try to climb into the crib and sleep with the baby. Oh. And so they didn't want that, so they had to rehome the cat, and that was Polly. And so my wife is, I, the way she tells us, she was just staring at the whole wall of, you know, cages and stuff, and they just take this box and empty it out onto the table, and there's a 25-pound cat, and she said, that one. And that was it. And he came home, and, uh, and he's been with us ever since. Wow. There's some, uh, I guess the cat was too loving to the baby then. <laughs> it's sweet, though. We just, we just wanted to give him love. It's no big deal. Yeah, at least it wasn't aggressive. Right. Right. Yeah, I love, <laughs> I, love, I, love, I love a loving cat. Yeah. I guess Sesame, like, she's a little bit, uh, I don't know, she's, she's, I think she's got a little bit of ragdoll in her. Because you can literally walk up to her and put your face in her stomach and she doesn't care. That's amazing. Yeah, she's the best. Are you sure that's a cat? I'm not. I don't know. Honestly. <laughs> you, should, she, you should check. <laughs> <laughs> she might be, yeah, she might be part dog. Dog actually. or something, right. Maybe. I mean, she's, yeah. Because... I I don't know. She she's just a little bit. She's just a little bit cuckoo in the head. 
Right. Oh, oh, you know what though? I feel like all the all the best animals are like all the best cats are just a little are just a little silly cuckoo. Yeah, true. Yeah. Very scared of everything. I'm gonna say that. What made you interested in doing this podcast? Why did you fill out the form? Oh, uh, uh, I don't know. I guess I just want to try talking to people across the world. Yeah. <laughs> just wanted to give it a shot. Yeah, why not? Like, no, I'm doing that. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's part of the reason why I started doing it. I just I just wanted to talk to as many people. I'm I'm a I'm a huge people person. So I just I love I love talking to people. I always tell my wife, like when we get older, I'm going to be the kind of old guy who just like makes conversations with the cashiers at the supermarket and, you know, talks to everyone. So, you know, get oh. ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> we all need someone like that. though. And I feel like um, at Thank goodness you're a people person because I was a little bit afraid that this was going to be a little awkward, like there'll be lots of silences. So, whew. Well, the, uh, this is, okay, I, I, I'll, I'll say the episode number, but I, I don't know because I, I record them, but I don't always put them up in the order in which I record them. So this is like number 27 right now. So I've had a fair bit of practice sort of keeping the ball up in the air in terms of conversations. Yeah, And luckily, I've talked to a lot of people, and you're included in that now, because you're very good at also responding and, and saying other things. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So it takes being able to carry the conversation, but it also takes people that can pick up on that and also kind of help me along, you know. I think I did one that I haven't aired yet, because it was just not... It was she was just not receptive to the conversation, and it, you know, if, if, I feel like if you're not receptive, it kind of turns into an interview where I'm just like hitting you with questions, and you're just saying one word answers, and I'm, you know what I mean? It doesn't really, it's not really a conversation. It's just like me asking you stuff, and that that feels awkward. I don't, I'm not trying to put anyone on the spot. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. I mean, they did sign up for it, so I mean, they it's a did, bit right? Difficult. But at the same time, I feel like this is a different kind of podcast in that it's not, I mean, there's no preparation. Like, I didn't ask you to prepare anything or write anything or, you know, you just, like, turned your microphone on and now we're doing this. Um, so I yeah. feel like people have a tendency to overthink it and maybe think that it's going to be something different or just get really nervous and in their own head. And then they sort of sound nervous and, which I don't have a problem people sounding nervous at all, but... When you start overthinking it and think that it's going to be scary, I mean, I don't know. I don't feel like I sound very scary. Yeah, maybe, like, I guess some people, you know, like, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Sure. Um, even when you're speaking on the phone, <laughs> some people just have that, like, little phone anxiety thing going on. Like, I had to almost call... Uh, someone for my sister because she was a little bit too scared to call them had to do like breathers before typed in the number as well why who were you calling who was she like who did she have to call um i'm gonna have to make one up now like a like a doctor sort of to oh, just be okay. like oh i don't want to come here anymore but to be fair that's a pretty daunting conversation to have i guess so well, i'm trying to think of how i would go about that i think well, did she find another doctor? Was that what it was? Yeah, she already found one. Yeah. So wanted to call the other one and be like, stop calling me. 
<laughs> I, I used to be nervous about stuff like that, and, and, and I guess I still have a little bit of anxiety, because that's never, like, a comfortable thing to have to do. But one of the things that I learned, and I forget who I learned it from, like somebody told me and it just kind of stuck in my head that the other, the person on the other end is like not taking that seriously or not taking it personally rather, you know, like they're not going to get offended by like you not wanting to go to that doctor anymore. Like, okay, thanks. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and, and they also probably don't want to be on the phone just as much as you don't want to be on the phone. So the quicker you say it, the quicker they can say, all right, thanks. Bye. And then it can be done, you know? Yeah, that's a good one to keep in mind. Someone told me that like years ago. I forget who it was. Oh, yeah, it's very handy advice, I must say. (laughs) Is get get things done quickly. It's like in um, performance, our my head of department at my university used to say because we had this like performance um, psychology class. And they, he used to say, just when you go out to perform, just imagine the entire audience is naked and then you'll feel better about it. <laughs> Does that work? Have you tried that? I, I don't think I have. I think I usually get on and I'm, I'm not really thinking about it. I kind of just get on and be like, let's just do, let's just do this. I, I feel like I that would make me more nervous. Like, okay, now, now on top of performing, I'm in a room full of naked people, and I'm the only person with clothes on. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I'd probably laugh. I don't know. There's just something about. I don't know. I, it's not even funny. It's just maybe it's the vulnerability that people are looking at. <laughs> Right. I guess I, I guess maybe the intention behind it is if you picture the entire audience naked, you're putting them in a position to, like, not ridicule you. Like, look at how ridiculous you are. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. how could you be in any position to make fun of me? You're not wearing any clothes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't know. Maybe it has something to do with it. I don't know. I've, I've never used it, but I, I, I guess I guess it's I guess it's helpful. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I've never tried it either, but that's what that's what they say. And some people have used it and said it was good. So, oh, well. do you have a do you have a strong stage presence? Are you good at public speaking? Are you good at being in front of people? Um, I'd like to think so. I mean, I'm a performance artist. Often, more often than not, I actually speak in my works and almost just act. Um, yeah, I, th- I think so. I think I'm good in front of an audience. Do you think yeah. you've always been good in front of an audience or was that something you had to learn? I feel like some people are naturally really good at just sort of taking the stage and speak and speaking in front of people and, and doing that whole thing. Was that something you had to learn or do you think you always sort of had that quality? Um, I think both because apparently when I was really little, I don't know, might have been like three or four, I would, I guess like you just speak to people non-stop I'll just keep talking and like often would ask people like how are you how are you going and like just talk to them you know no matter what age they were so I guess growing up I never really was afraid to speak in front of people or to people uh, and you know as as you get older the audiences get larger um, I guess that's where it got a little bit nervy in the middle. 
And so I guess I had to learn how to do that again through doing my degree where I just had to practice in front of lots of people. I mean, every concert does have a fair amount of people, so I just do that. And eventually I just get comfortable. So that's that. I feel like there must be, and, 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 and you can tell me if there is or not, but I feel like there must be some sort of empowering quality uh, in being able to command an audience. Um, do you feel that your life experience as a woman contributes to that? Do you feel empowered as a woman by being someone who can, who can command a stage, command an audience? I never really thought about that, but yes. I'd say uh, a lot of the time, I guess, you know, like talk shows and stuff, there are a lot of men. <laughs> oh, it's mostly men. And whenever it's a woman, yeah. it's like a headline. It's like, hey, look, a woman has a show now, which is silly. Exactly. But... Um, so it's like it really shouldn't be a not a norm, you know. And I feel like a lot of the works I perform are very – are driven by feminism. Like I, I carry myself as a feminist as well. So I feel like me being able to take control, read the audience, uh, do all these things, <clears throat> excuse me, do all these things is, yeah, it's empowering in a way. That's great. I feel like that's such a great way to assert yourself as, as somebody who can, you know, who can say something and and be listened to like that, like on, just on a base human level that just like has to feel fantastic. I, and that that's like one of the things I've learned doing this. And I feel like I mention it in just about every episode, but I always say it at some point. I feel like what I've learned is that people just want to be listened to. Like that's a basic human need that isn't really met in normal environmental conditions these days. Like people aren't like listen to they're listened to like with an agenda like they're listened to with the hope that they'll stop talking so the person listening can then talk about themselves like and it's just this mutual sort of like please be quiet so i can talk kind of thing yes yes actually there's this thing um i don't know if there's a name to it but a lot of people when they look to other people to just like rant often more often than not if the person replies with advice they just want to smack him. <laughs> right. <laughs> because oh, that's all a, they want to yeah. do is rent. Yeah. That's a thing that I, I feel like I, I need to break myself of. Like if my wife has a problem or she has a concern or she has, a, and not even like a concern in the relationship, but just like a concern in general, and like she has a problem, she doesn't know what to do. I have to get better at like listening to it rather than listen and have the expectation for myself that I need to like provide an answer. Sometimes the answer is just to listen and let that person get out what they need to get out. And they might even feel better just after saying it. You know what I mean? Like not every statement requires a response. It requires like a big declarative like, well, I think you should. Like, you don't need that. And I'm learning that every day. Yeah. Well, it's good that you're learning it and that you're aware of it. Because I've definitely had partners in the past who never did. <laughs> and so that that's over. I feel like, you know, the best thing to say is not say, but just acknowledge that their frustrations are valid. Yes. And that what they're I feeling. understand. Okay. Yep, yep, yes. yep. Yep. Just like that. Yeah. That, sometimes that's all you need is just like a, like a calm voice. 
And I realized yeah. the irony in me accidentally interrupting your sentence to say that. <laughs> no. Oh, no, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> um, how do you define feminism? What is your personal definition of it? If you have one. <gasps> okay. Well, I, I don't think there is a definite, like a, de you can't really define it. Everyone has a different uh, way of speaking about it. Um, yeah, it doesn't really have a, a clear definition, but it's a lot of time it's seen as like a social uh, politically driven sort of movement and it advocating for women's equal rights in a society dominated by males. But yeah, lots of people have different definitions for it. Some go really far and basically are like men bad. But in, in my sort of understanding and definition, it's just bringing women up to an equal sort of place as men. So I'm not, I'm not going to put men down. Just, just one bring, bring them equal. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So that's, that's the way I see it. And when you say that your art conveys that theme, what's an example of that? Uh, okay. So last year I put on a show, it was called Breaking Point, a show on sexual assault. And uh, basically through my craft, you know, percussion is a pretty interesting thing. I'm not going to deny that, uh, <laughs> especially when you combine percussion and theater. It does capture the attention of an audience. So in a way, through that, I can make a sort of like visually stimulating and um, uh, what do you call it? Audibly? Audibly nice sounding or just just an engaging performance in general to like raise awareness in the way like lots of performance artists do that kind of stuff you know and it, it does make an impact on people to be able to see it and hear it um especially when i i mostly try to uh tell stories real stories through it yeah but the only issue is that the only people who come to these are the people who are, you know, I'm basically preaching to the converted. <laughs> so that's the only issue I face, really. Right. That is not something where you're opening people's eyes to this issue. It's people that are already aware of it, but just sort of checking out how you express that. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So I would love, I would love to hear more about the way the emotion of your message is conveyed through your craft. How does percussion convey those raw feelings, those raw emotions that I would imagine fear and, 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 and anger that's encapsulated in, 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 in sexual assault? Like how does percussion get that across? Ah, okay. See, percussion is that uh, group of instruments that like you can pretty much do anything with, so a lot of like theatrical percussion pieces have text in them, like you speak and play. And, you know, I feel like it's because it's something you can either hit or, you know, gently caress. 
<laughs> in a way. Um, you can convey all sorts of emotions, obviously combining them with your facial expression or the way you move. There's a lot of movement involved in percussion. And so say you're expressing frustration, you just hit stuff real hard, like an angry face, big motions. You want to express sadness, you sort of just touching things along the way, feeling not really looking like you've got a lot of life in you, <laughs> stuff like that. Right. I am fascinated by this. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask a question. Is this a, like, do you, do you use a lot of like handheld percussion instruments? Do you use like bongos and tambourines and stuff like that? Or is it like, 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 what do you use? What are your instruments? Oh, everything pretty much. I mostly use, um, yeah, little things like shakers and yeah, bongos and stuff, but I oftentimes also use found objects, so like objects I have lying around me, cups, a leaf, maybe, stuff like that. I love you describing what you're describing, and I think it is fascinating. I would be so much more fascinated if you could find something in your room and show me what you're talking about. Oh, uh, okay. So, okay, well, I'm going to take my headphones off for a second sure. and grab the drum. Here I am. Um, I've got two frame drums. Here's a little one. Sounds like this. And a giant one, which sounds like this. Uh, yeah, those are two frame drums. And if we're talking expression, I'm, gonna use a, I'm just going to use the small one for now because uh, the, the parrots might still be sleeping. <laughs> uh, sure. Ow. Just hit myself in the ear. Okay. <laughs> um yeah so i guess i don't know choose an emotion uh how about how about curiosity curio oh my okay uh i guess it's because you can't see me it's a little bit bit difficult but i'm gonna try and act it out and see if you can hear what i mean sure so in percussion like it, it really it it really varies. Like this craft is so interesting. It can range from literally just acting, saying a monologue even, that's percussion. So, you know, the rhythm of words, I guess. Sure. Um, so what I'll be doing is basically just like looking at the drum and exploring sounds, you know, different sounds I can get. I'd say that's something like curiosity. I absolutely. What about fear? Fear. All right. I feel like playing it in a sort of timid way. <laughs> Obviously, it's fear. Like, um, let me try and have a think. Yeah, again, you can't really see what I'm doing, but... 
No, but it's and... coming through. I, I, I understand what you're saying. It's almost the way that somebody would score a movie, how you can convey feelings and emotions and you can convey this sort of sense of foreboding or, 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 or imminent danger or, or, or curiosity through music, through sounds. I, 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 I understand that you feel I would have to see you in order for that to come through, but I'm telling you it is coming through 100%. I, I, I totally understand what you're doing. Oh, good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I don't know what it's like to be on the other side of the podcast, so it's a little bit hard to gauge, but I'm glad it's coming through. I would love to hear you just walk me through some other feelings that you can convey. Ah, okay. Um, uh, happy is an easy one. So, uh, that's one you could, oh, you could go anger, but I, I don't really want to destroy my instrument right now. But <laughs> yeah, don't wake anybody up either. Oh, I gotta, no. as much as I would love to hear your anger through your drum right now, don't, 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 don't ruin oh, your household. Your parents have been nice enough to, to, uh, to shelter you for months while you're stuck in Singapore. Don't, I don't wake them up. <laughs> they probably already hate me because I've been playing these <laughs> for the past like 24 hours, just been going ham on these. So these are called frame drums. I don't know if you know what those are. I don't. They're just like um, circles. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. They're like, they're like, <laughs> they're like, you know, they're like... Circles, um, got it. They're like... Okay, okay, okay. Think of a drum, right? It okay, doesn't have a, a... It doesn't have this... You know how drums have skin on top, have skin on bottom? Right. And then the, the, the little head that you hit. Right. Um, okay, this one doesn't have a bottom. And it's only about, let me think of American, just inches of this one, two, I'd say about two inches, um, two inches long. And this specific small one is eight inches wide or diameter. Yeah. So it's like, it kind of, and you kind of play it like you're holding a prize. Like when you when you go up on stage and you're holding a trophy, you kind of hold it like that. is 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 very hard to visualize, I imagine. But yeah. No, I see. I I I understand. I understand what you mean. What do you look for when you get a new drum? Is there a certain is there a, a certain feeling you're looking for? Like is it is is it an, is it as intimate a process as somebody like buying a guitar and just like knowing that it's like the one for them? Ooh. I guess it depends on what you're using the drum for. In my case, for the frame drums, I really just was looking for a nice sound and what I feel comfortable playing. So, yeah, I guess I just play it and I go, oh, yeah, I like this one. (laughs) I'll buy it. Do you have a... How strong is your personal connection to your instruments? Do you give them names the way some musicians give their saxophones or guitars names? No, because I know at some point I'm going to absolutely destroy them. <laughs> I don't really want to feel sad about it. <laughs> well, how many drums do you go through like in the course of a year? Oh, uh, no, no. I, I I wouldn't say that I actually destroy them that often. I I don't know. I don't think I've ever truly destroyed a drum to the stage where 
I can't play it at all. Like I can replace the heads maybe. I'd say I do that maybe like once or twice a year. Not often. I noticed as you were playing a definite sort of tribal sound to the way that you play. Is that a conscious thing? There's something reminiscent of like tribal drums. Um, it's, oh, no, not a conscious thing, actually. Actually, wait, hold on. No, not really. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's just the way the drum is, I guess. It's actually right, mid- right, right. It's actually Middle Eastern, not quite tribal, but. Oh, okay. The way I was playing yeah. it, though, wasn't. So, I can't. I, 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 right. Well, like. I wasn't sure, and and I may I may embarrass myself with my lack of knowledge of your country, but I, when I was in elementary school, we studied the Aboriginal tribes of Australia, and I didn't know if there was some connection there. No, 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 no. Nah. There's no connection. Cool. Um, if anything, we we real we don't. I have, wait, hold on. Yeah, we, we don't really have um, native drums, you could say. They usually just mostly use the um, the uh, didgeridoo. Right. right and right. what's called a bullroarer. So it's, oh, what's that? Yeah, it's something they use to um, communicate over long distances. And, like, okay. yeah, it's it, they kind of just, like, twirl it in the air and it, it makes a sort of like a windy sound almost. Right. Um, right, right. I've you, never even heard of it. That's fascinating. Yeah. You don't really hear of it much, but you mostly hear of the didgeridoo, which can make rhythms by its own. So I guess they didn't really, yeah. I don't know all too much about it, but... Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me neither. That's okay. We're in the same boat. <laughs> <laughs> Eek. Yeah. Knowing now what you attempt to convey or what you convey in your art, do you think it would ever benefit you that your drum would just, like, break mid-performance? Yes. Oh, I used... Have you ever wanted that to happen? Has that ever happened? I've I've, I've wanted that to happen for sure. I've broken yeah. sticks because I wanted it. I wanted to hit it in a certain way and then just like have it break and be like, yeah, that's the effect I wanted. <laughs> have you ever like, have you ever like taken a nail file or something and just like kind of sawed into your stick a little bit so that when you get on stage, you hit it really hard and there's like a break point. <gasps> that's a good idea. Thank you. Oh my you. God. You should totally do that. Yeah, I should. Actually. Yeah. I mean, you know what? I'm just, I'm going to do that from now on. Some anger. <laughs> just put it, put it into that. I feel like, well, I do break objects. Like I have, Broken glass. I mean, I wasn't supposed to, but I did it anyway and then just played it off as an accident. So I didn't get trouble f- with the vin- venue. <laughs> they don't, they're not angry at me for breaking glass on their floor because it was an accident. Right. And listen, you can't argue with the sound of broken glass and it contributing to the mood or the feel of what you're doing i imagine that's a that's an incredible sound to have at your disposal yeah 100 <laughs> percent. yeah 
And what are some of your favorite sounds that aren't like that aren't drums? What are some of your favorite sounds? What is the most beautiful sound to you? Oh, uh, leaves being crushed, dried leaves. Mm. I love them. Sometimes you play them as like a little drone. You put your hand in a bowl of leaves and just crunch it, and then do whatever else with the other hand. I love that. I also love slapping stuff, as in like I don't know, raw chicken or something. Gives gives that nice slap sound, you know, like right, just that kind of that kind of wet sort of yeah. Yeah, yeah I know that. what you're talking about. Yep, I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Wow. Um, and water, just just water, yeah. in any 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 way, really. You can do a lot of water. <laughs> How much do you know about like ASMR and that type of that type of auditory therapy? Oh. How much do I know about it? What do you mean? Like, do you like? Are you are you familiar with that at all? Are you like? Have you ever experienced? Have you ever experienced like in, like ASMR therapy? Yeah, I must say I'm a big fan of cooking ASMR. <laughs> what do you mean? What's what's cooking ASMR like? Like, what like, is that? Um. It's just like regular ASMR with voice, but with cooking. Like, you know, the sound of you throwing fish in oil in a pan, and it's just like... Oh, and the oil kind of bubbling up and doing the the sizzle thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's better with the visuals. Right. Yeah, like chopping mushrooms, which kind of just goes... I, you know what's funny? I used to work at a sandwich shop when I was in college, and one of the things we used to do, we used to have mushrooms that went on the sandwiches, and we'd have to slice them. And there was this big, it almost, it was like the size of a, of a phonograph record, and it had a big crank, and you fill this machine with mushrooms, and this wheel has blades all over it and you turn the crank and push the mushrooms in with this handle and it slices all of them and you you should just make this like and it was like the most incredible sound that yes that i really love the sounds of mushrooms have you ever seen a soap cutting asmr video those are my favorite oh yeah i have i love those my wife thinks it's a waste of soap I mean, you can just, like, melt it back down and mold it back together. That's exactly what I said. But then she said, well, how many of these people do you think are taking the soap and melting it back and making new bars out of it? Okay, whatever. <laughs> right. That, that's exactly what I said. <laughs> it's okay, fine. Just unpause it. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, we hope that they sell it or something, but... <laughs> Right, and you can't you can't really accurately gauge whether they're doing that or not, like based on what you know. Yeah, true, but she does make a point. Like, I get it, I get it. In your everyday life, how on a scale of one to ten, how wasteful are you? How much garbage do you, does your existence create in the course of a day? Uh, in a day, well. Depends on where I'm living. Like right now, in Singapore, mm, I'd say maybe uh, four. Mm, no, maybe like a six. Because that much, yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess in a way, like not in a way. What am I talking about? Everything here comes in some sort of packaging. 
and they don't recycle. <laughs> Eek. Right. Um, so I don't know if I want to get a, uh, I don't know, cabbage. I want to get cabbage. It's going to come in a plastic bag. Everything, you, everywhere you go automatically comes in something. Um, yeah. Do you hate that? Yes. I Like, where do I put the plastic? I'm not going to use a God, tiny plastic bag. Right, right, right. And my bag well, especially full of because crap now. <laughs> right. Well, I feel like the world is very good now at letting you know what effect all of that plastic has on the environment. I mean, have you heard that thing about there's a, a an island made of plastic the size of Texas floating in the ocean somewhere just based on all the plastic waste throughout the world gathering? What? <laughs> yeah, I heard that once that there's a there there's an island made of plastic that's the size of Texas and it's floating around and it's comprised of plastic waste and microfibers from all the synthetic fabrics that are used for fast fashion and uh, pollution and, and just all the, you know, straws and you know, all the stuff that you hear is really bad for the environment that it's just like a massive island of plastic somewhere. Right. Actually, I heard um, like I was having this discussion with my dad the other day about where our rubbish goes and he said that Singapore has this special island just north of Singapore that's called Samakau Island and it actually doesn't look like a rubbish island. They've sort of made use of the rubbish to like create reclaimed land sort of which which is oh that that's cool I guess. <laughs> It's one way to use it is to reclaim land. They used to call them landfills in America. I don't know if they still have many of them anymore. Like they call them junkyards too, but landfills used to be just big parcels of land that were originally dumping places for garbage, but like you said, they sort of built you know, there's there's greenery there, there's grass, you can, you know, you can kind of walk around it. Um I don't know if that's the exact definition of a landfill. I know that I'm thinking of at least one that I've seen that has like parkland on it, you know. Um, but that's incredible, isn't it? That there can be that much garbage that you can just make a park out of it. Yeah, exactly. That's like, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a little bit. Now that I think about it. <laughs> Wild, that's a right? Lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. I guess, you know, in Perth, I'm way more... Well, I produce way less waste. Um, you, you sort of just like dump all your compost into like a, a general bin uh, our community has like near the garden. So right, and that, that encourages everybody to like to compost and recycle. Yeah, exactly. And but yeah. the the problem is China stopped buying our recycling, so I don't know where it's going. Oh, it's hard. It, it's hard. You know, once you, and I'm not the best at it yet, but once you start to avoid buying things in plastic and buying plastic bags, you know, you realize just how much of the things you buy, how many of the things you buy in the course of a day are covered in plastic or covered in plastic coated cardboard or, you know, just garbage, just like, just, you know, packaged in garbage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what it is about the world and really needing that, but <laughs> I don't really want to buy cabbage and it come in a plastic bag. 
already? No, absolutely not. No, and and you know we're lucky here because where I live, I live in a town called Lancaster, and it's a lot of farmland, and so a lot of the families who own farms set up farm stands. So sometimes instead of going to the supermarket, my wife and I will just sort of drive through all the backcountry roads and buy produce there because one, it's cheaper. Two, they don't use pesticides. Three, it's not packaged. You can bring your own bag and just load it up with cabbage or tomatoes or cucumbers or, you know, whatever you want to buy. And, and you're not, you're not just filling your house with extra plastic bags. I mean, it's, it's really, it's really, it's a beautiful thing to be able to do. And I realize that not a lot of people have that privilege. So I'm very, very grateful for that. That is so good. In, in well, at least where I am now in Singapore, n- none of the produce is local. We have to import everything because there is enough land. It's like what seven hundred and something um, km squared of land, like area, and there's about five point nine million people on it. It's all building, and right. not much land to actually have local produce. So everything is imported, I guess, you know, to try and keep things fresh, they package it. <laughs> so that's what right, happens. But it's, 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 but it's, it's, it's so hard to offset that, you know, you could have fresh, you can have fresh produce, but the pollution that's created as a result of that effort is like, how do you ever, how do you ever overcome that? You know? Mm. Yeah, true. I want to know, Jeremy, if this conversation has been what you expected it to be. I don't think I was really expecting anything. <laughs> I didn't really have. <laughs> Gee, thanks. I didn't have expectations when I came into this, so uh, I guess it came out better than expected. <laughs> well, that, that's good. <laughs> I don't really know. We'll what just... to... We'll just forget I asked that. Yeah. <laughs> I well, laugh. no, because I, I feel laugh. like it's from from talking to the number of people that I've talked to for this podcast. It, a lot of people don't know what to expect by talking to a complete stranger for you know however long the conversation ends up being. So I was curious to know if you were nervous heading into this experience, or if it was something that you were just really excited to do. Um, you know, because I, I've 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 seen people participate in this experience a wide variety of emotions from from fear to nervousness to just genuine excitement. Mm. Well, I think maybe because I literally woke up at like seven forty-five, <laughs> which to everyone listening, I keep forgetting you woke up early. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it'd be like, it, uh, yeah, 15 minutes and then we pretty much hopped on. Um, and you're the first person I talked to all day. So I actually haven't opened my mouth until I said hello. <laughs> oh, geez. What a, what an honor. Thank you. <laughs> you can wear that one for the rest of the day. <laughs> I, sh- I sure am. Well, look, look like the hour that's left of it. I'm going to bed soon. Oh, true beans. Um, but basically, I think because I just woke up, I kind of wasn't, I was still sort of in a haze a little bit. I wasn't really feeling anything, but I don't know if it's my laugh or whatever that you thought that I might have been a little bit nervous. I, I feel like my natural laugh sounds a little nervous <laughs> like this, I guess. A little bit. There's nothing wrong with it at all. I, You know, honestly... And again, it wasn't it, 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 
it would not have even been a bad thing if you were nervous. It wouldn't have been bad at all. I would have expected it, to be honest with you. But I, I really, I was just asking so that I had the opportunity to kind of set you at ease. Like, this is going to be okay. Like, you're doing, you're doing a great job. And you did a great job. It was so much fun talking to you. Oh, well, thanks. It was so much fun talking to you, too. Yeah, this was fantastic. Um, good luck in your craft. Are you performing soon? Do you have anything anything lined up? I imagine with everything going on in the world, you're probably not doing too much. But No, I, well, I'm not doing too much, but I am starting two podcasts at some point in the next few months. Um, Do you have plans for them? Tell me about them. Tell me everything. Okay, so one of them is storytelling, obviously with like, the whole legal thing of needing to get permission from people, that's going to take a, a little bit. So I've decided I'm going to read stories from local small authors, like short stories. So I'll do that. And, you know, down the road, if, you know, we, we it does well, then then I can actually pay people. But <laughs> for now. Sure, that's the now, dream, isn't it? Yeah, for now I'm just doing like voluntary. I'll read your stuff for free. Um, uh, and the other one is, again, is also reading, but this time it's about how we wrote weird stuff when we were little. So I'm going to be reading fan fiction <laughs> from when people were like in their teens and That's stuff. That's awesome. All yeah. that cringy Exactly. Cringy stuff. Yeah, I love it. I so love it. My friends and I will be reading and reacting to it. <laughs> and That sounds fantastic. Yeah, I've put up a post on Reddit being like, anyone wrote anything cringy? And I've gotten a fair amount of response. And they're all pretty, pretty good. <laughs> God, I may have something somewhere. I might, ha I might have to send you something I wrote a long time ago, back when I was like 15, 16. Just a total, just a total artifact of cringe yes please send it to I, me I will, i'm gonna i'm gonna look for it and if i find it i promise i will send it to you oh okay okay i'm looking forward to it <laughs> all right excellent jeremy thank you so much this was so much fun i'm so glad we're not strangers anymore oh thank you i, I have a new friend in australia i'm so happy oh well i'm in singapore now but yes technically oh, yes. well you know what i mean you know yeah, what i mean i know what, i know what you mean. <laughs> i have a friend from australia who's stuck in singapore right now <laughs> and there's nothing i can do to help and I have a friend all the way in the U.S. in Pennsylvania, did you say? Pennsylvania, you yeah. sure do. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Excellent. So this, so this was a success then? Yeah, I'd say so. Excellent. I Jeremy, actually... thank you so much, and I will, I will be in touch soon. Yes. Okay. Thank all you right. so much. You're welcome. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you, too. All right. Bye-bye. Yep. Bye-bye. Stranger Than Christian is produced by me, Christian Carrion, from my studio in beautiful downtown Lancaster City, Pennsylvania. Visit StrangerThanChristian.com to listen to all my previous episodes, send me a message, or apply to be my next guest. Also, find Stranger Than Christian on Facebook and follow me on Twitter at StrangerThanC. And listen to me deliver all the hot game show news on Tell Them What They've Won every week on your favorite podcast app. Thank you so much for listening. I truly cannot do this without you. Tune in next time to another episode of Stranger Than Christian. Bye-bye. Let's teach people something super quick. Every year... 
uh, more people die from getting hit on the head with coconuts than they do from shark attacks. <laughs> <laughs> like dead dead? It's not that many because like only like one or two people I think die from shark attacks every year. The low teens for the coconuts. Coconuts are hard. Teach, Teach me something, something good. good. Now on your local favorite podcast thing. <laughs> yeah, all podcast things. Goss with Trash Comedy is the podcast where we trade sweet, sweet facts like they're dirty little pieces of gossip. We're a New York-based comedy team and we're joined each week with a funny, delightful friend. After each person shares their facts, we rate those facts from, oh my god, that's not hot, that's as cold as the coldest ice you've ever seen, to, oh my god, that's so spicy, my mouth is gone. So if that made sense to you, then please join us on Mondays, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Apocalypse Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, go to apocalypsepodcastnetwork.com. And remember, every time you support one of our sponsors, you're supporting the podcast you just heard.